Well, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us uh, via online, uh, wherever you're watching today. I thank God for technology. I have to be honest with you, uh, I really miss all of us being in the room together. There's nothing like exactly being together. But as I look at this empty room, I am reminded of something that Yogi Berra said. He said, if they don't want to come, you can't stop them. And that's kind of where we are today. And I know it's not that you don't want to come, but we are doing this because we love our neighbor. We're trying to do what's very best for everybody involved. So again, thank you for watching us today. And uh, I just pray that this will be a blessing to you as I know it will be to so many who are watching right now. Well, it is a word we'll never forget. It's launched us into a time that we will remember forever. It's kind of really the largest elephant in the room right now that I've ever seen. And of course, that word is coronavirus. We'd never heard of that word six months ago, but now it's everywhere, otherwise known as COVID-19, whatever you prefer, and it's now been declared a national emergency. And think about it. This little microscopic virus that you can't even see with the naked eye has unleashed this tsunami of fear, unlike anything in my lifetime. People are fearful of catching the virus, running out of food, travel, large gatherings, Teresa just the other day found out just how real this fear is at the grocery store when even all, she went to the shelf, the toilet paper was wiped out, pun intended. Now, we have seen firsthand the power of fear. It can cause banks to fold. It can make money go into hiding. It can turn stocks into rocks. It can make the Dow Jones go into bare bones. And, and individually, fear can affect you physically and mentally and emotionally. A panic attack can make you break in, out into a sweat. It can tie your stomach into knots. It can shove a lump down your throat. It can even shut down your entire windpipe. It can cause your blood pressure to rise like a rocket and your courage to fall like a rock. As a matter of fact, did you know if you suddenly become afraid of something quickly enough and strongly enough, the blood can be cut off almost completely from the brain and cause you to faint? It can also cause the blood flow to the extremities of the body to be hindered so quickly, you can really get cold feet by being so afraid so fast, your feet just get ice cold. Listen, fear can even kill you. Medical science has proven that the right kind of fear at just the right time can cause the cardiovascular muscles to react in such a way that heart failure is a result. In other words, literally, you can be scared to death. I've been reminded, as you have been, just how powerful fear is. Fear can cause you to do things that you normally otherwise wouldn't do. And it can keep you from doing things that you know you should do. And I couldn't help but think about Franklin D. Roosevelt, you may remember, gave one of the most famous quotes in presidential history when he said this. He said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And with all respect to President Roosevelt, that's just not true. I mean, you come, to face, come face to face with a scorpion, a spider, a terrorist, or if you're like me, come, to, come face to face with a snake and then just say, well, the only thing I have to fear is fear itself. See how that works out for you. I mean, that just really isn't true. Now, having said that, let me say this. Fear sometimes gets a very bad name because fear is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we've been talking about fear and we're going to talk about fear today and how to overcome fear. 
But did you know that Jesus himself even taught us to fear? He said there's a certain kind of fear we ought to have. He said this. He said, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. However, he says, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, Jesus said there is a kind of fear. It's a good kind of fear that you ought to have. As a fact, in the Bible calls it the fear of God. Proverbs 1, 7 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. God says, if you really want to know what life's all about, know what you is all about, know what I'm is all about, then, then, then the really first step you have to take is fear, a healthy fear of me. I'm not talking about that kind of fear today. I want to talk about this bad kind of fear that's never from God. And I'll tell you how you know it's not from God, because this kind of fear never leads you to God. It leads you away from God. And there was a man by the name of Paul who was writing a book to a young pastor called Timothy. And in this book, 2 Timothy, Paul is writing this letter and he, and he writes just one sentence to this young pastor and says, Timothy, let me tell you how to put fear in its proper perspective. And let me tell you how to handle your people and how to teach your people and how to lead your people when they are full of fear. And he gives this powerful statement he says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, here's what I want you to hear very, very carefully. If you're a follower of Jesus, as I am, and many of you are, if you do not handle your fear as followers of Christ, here's what will happen. Fear will starve your faith, and it will feed your doubt. It will force you to run when you ought to stand. It will force you to be quiet when you ought to speak up. It's the kind of fear that we're facing right now. It's the kind of fear that we're fighting right now. And I know some of you are saying, but pastor, you know, I, I appreciate what you said so far, but I am afraid I do have fear. Join the club, get in line. We're gonna talk about that right now. But I believe with all of my heart, if that verse is true, if the spirit of fear is not from God, then God evidently has a way, he has a plan, he has a process by which we can face our fear, fight our fear, and conquer our fear. And it's right here in this text. So I want to share with you today three things to do in the midst of this coronavirus, in the midst of all this anxiety, in the midst of all of this anxiety as we're walking through these uncharted waters. Let me tell you how to do it. First one I hope will kind of give you some comfort, okay? First of all, admit your fear. That's the first thing you've got to do. If you're going to absolutely overcome fear, you've got to admit your fear. Now, Paul begins by saying, God gave us a power, uh, gave us a, a spirit not of fear. So let's just acknowledge something. There is such a thing as a spirit of fear. There is a ghost of fear that's in the closet that sometimes comes out and haunts us and follows us at every turn. And everybody at one time or another deals with that spirit. By the way, the primary word uh, for fear in the New Testament is literally the Greek word phobos. You can imagine what we get from that word. We get the word phobia from that word, and it literally means fear. And, and it's out there. There is a spirit of fear. As a matter of fact, psychiatrists and doctors have identified over 700 kinds of phobia. Some of you may have these. For example, there's acrophobia. Uh, acrophobia is a fear of, of high places. You, you know what claustrophobia is, right? That, that, that's, the, that's the fear of, of, of being in, in, in an, uh, an enclosed place. 
Um, some people have this, ergophobia. You know what that is? That's the fear of work. My three boys had that growing up, ergophobia. Then there's what's called demophobia. No, it's not the fear of Democrats. Demophobia is the fear of crowds. And then I just read the other day, do you know what the number one fear of men is? The number one fear, you know what it is, guys? It's pentherophobia. You know what that is? It's the fear of mother-in-laws. All right, we're just gonna move on. Now listen, even though you may struggle with phobia, you may not struggle with phobia, so I don't really have a phobia, you may not, but I guarantee you've got fears. We've all got fears. We all deal with fears. And the first step to overcoming your fear is just man up, woman enough, be honest enough to say, you know what? I am dealing with fear in my life. So let me just put you at ease on something. Fear is nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to try to hide. It's nothing to admit that you've got it because everybody is affected by it. And I mean everybody. So let me just make this very plain to you. You can walk with God. You can be super spiritual. You can read your Bible. You can pray and you still have to battle fear. But I want you to be comforted. God knows that. God knows that we're weak. God knows that we're just human. And God knows that we have to deal with fear. That's why 365 times in this book, God is telling his own family, God's telling his own children, God's telling his own disciples, fear not. He knows we're going to deal with fear. Here's what we need to do. We've got to understand how fear works. Because if you'll think this through for a minute, this is why we are where we are as a nation right now. First of all, fear gets into your mind and you start dwelling on it. But then it moves from your mind and it gets into your heart. And then you start living with it. You go to bed with it. You get up with it. You go out with it. You come in with it. It gets into your heart. But when it, gets from your, when it goes from your mind and once it goes to your will, then it begins to get into your heart into your will. And it goes from your mind, your heart to your will. And it begins to dominate your will. It begins to dominate the way you act and the way you think. And it becomes the engine that drives everything in your life. And this is why fear can be so dangerous. Because if you're not careful, you'll let fear do three things to you. First of all, it will paralyze you. Fear will just paralyze you. You know, if you've ever been walking in the woods and you hear a, rattle, a rattlesnake and you know it's a rattlesnake going, you know that, it's that, you know that sound, what do you do? You stop, which you should, but why? You're paralyzed. You don't know which way to go. Is the snake here? Is he there? Is he here? You know, so it paralyzes you. Then what, not only does it paralyze, then it will neutralize you. You, you, you'll say, I, I, I don't think I can take any action. I don't think I can do anything at all. I'm just too afraid. And once you are paralyzed, once you're neutralized, then it monopolizes. I mean, it takes over everything you think. And before you know it, you're, you're shackled with fear. You're in the handcuffs of fear. And you may be saying right now, Pastor, that's me. And, but how do you get at it? How do you get liberated from the shackles of fear that's strangling my heart, strangling my soul, and strangling my very life? Okay, well, the very first step is admit it. So let's just get that out of the way. Are you afraid you might get the virus? That's okay. Or are you afraid that if you get it, you might die? That's okay. Or are you afraid that somebody in your family, maybe you've got an elderly mom or, or, or dad or, or someone that has diabetes, or are you afraid they might get it? Yes, I am, Pastor. It's okay. Admit your fear. But now you got to take the second step. You ready? Here it is. Activate your faith. Once you admit your fear, activate your faith. Now, here's what God has done. God knows we deal with fear. So God has given us this foolproof 
fail-safe key that can unlock the iron gates of fear and free you from its prison forever. But let me just tell you now, it's the only key that fits. There's only one key that fits. I'm just being honest. The only antidote to fear is faith. There's no other antidote to it. You have a choice. Everything you face in life, you're going to face it with fear or you're going to face it with faith. There is no third alternative. And the only antidote to fear is faith. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to show you something in a minute. I want to, I'm going to put up on the screen what I call the faith index. Why don't you look at this with me right now? This is the way this works, okay? It's real easy to understand. When fear increases, faith decreases. However, when faith increases, fear decreases. That's exactly the way it works. Because let me tell you, think about this. What is fear? When you really get down to it, what is fear? It's more than just being afraid of something or, or dreading something. Here's what fear really is. Fear is the absence of faith. That's what it is. Fear is the absence of faith. Now think about this. Let's suppose you're facing something. You either know that you can handle it or somebody else can handle it. Well, if you know you can handle it or somebody else can handle it, you won't fear it. The only time you fear something is when you say, okay, I can't handle this and nobody else can handle this. When you finally convince yourself, I can't handle it, nobody else can handle it, you're going to have fear. However, this is where God comes in. Because listen to what he says now. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of, and if you're at home, just say that out loud. It's a good word to say, power. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power. So, so let, me just, let me tell you why Paul says that. I want you to imagine that you know before you get up in the morning every day that you've got within you the power to face anything that comes in your life. You've got the power to handle it. You've got the power to overcome it. You've got the power to get through it. And no matter what it may do to you, you know it will never keep you from the love of God. It will never keep you from God's plan for your life. If you knew that, if you said, man, I've got that power within me, I know I do, what would you fear? You say, I'd never fear anything. I mean, I, I just wouldn't. If I, if I absolutely knew that no matter what happens to me, I've got the power to handle it. I've got the power to overcome it. I've got the power to drive through it. Well, here's the wonderful news. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, do you know what you have in you right now, this moment? You have the power of God's Spirit in you. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, not just as a person, but to give us power. So what does that mean? Well, if I've got the power of God in me right now, that means uh, there's no foe that I can't face. There's no fight that I can't win. And there's no fear that I can't conquer. You say, well, if his power's within me, that's true. Why do you think John said this? The apostle John said, he who is in you, and he is, is greater than he who is in the world. I want you to hear, listen, I'm going to say three things to you, and I want you to get this down. Listen, tell your kids to be quiet. Listen, God is in you. Do you believe that? Raise your hand right now. Okay, you believe that? God is for you. Do you believe that? If you're, raise your hand right now. God is with you. Do you believe that? If you're just, raise your hand right now. Okay, you're with me. You say, yes, pastor, God is in me. God is for me. 
God is with me. If you really believe that, then you have to believe this. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. Would you just say that with me out loud right now? If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. God has given us not the spirit of fear, but of power. But Paul's not finished. He goes on to say this. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love. Paul said, you know what? You not only got the power of God to face your fears, you've got the power of God to fight your fears, or the love of God to fight your fears. Listen, if you're afraid right now, if you just say, I, 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 Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm taking medication, I've gone to bed, I'm, you know, I'm crawled under the covers, I, I'm just fighting this fear, I want you to think about just three words, just three words that ought to absolutely put fear where it belongs in your life for the rest of your life. Okay, now here are the three, three words. God loves me. Would you just say that with me right now? God loves me. Now, if God loves you like he says he loves you, more than you love your kids, more than your kids love you, more than you love your parents, more than your parents love you, more than you love your spouse, more than your spouse love you, loves you. If God loves you, why would you fear? But look, he's given us one other thing. Not just power, not just love, he's given us one other thing. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, why does, why does Paul add that? What, what does he mean by self-control? Well, it's really one word in the Greek language, and it literally means a sound mind, the ability to think things through. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. God has given us the ability to discern and understand what fear is and what fear is not, what fear can do and what fear cannot do. Now, let me give you a secular illustration that proves this point. Educators have now learned that so much of fear is unfounded and ungrounded. There was a University of Michigan study that determined, listen to this, 60% of our fears are totally unwarranted. In other words, six out of things that we fear in life never even happen. 20% have already become past activities and are completely out of our control. In other words, there's nothing you can do about it. Another 10% are so petty, they don't make any difference. And of the remaining 10%, only 4 to 5% of those are real and justifiable. And of the 4 and 5% that are real and justifiable, only half of those we can't do anything about. So here's what they concluded. Of all these worries that we have in our life all the time, they concluded only 2% of our fears are even real to begin with. But that raises a question. It's okay, but what about those 2%? I mean, I think this is a two percenter, okay? What about those two, that two percent? Well, let me give you an illustration, a real life illustration. There was a man by the name of David, became the greatest king of Israel. There was a time before David was king, he was on the run for his life and he was captured by the Philistines. They were his mortal enemies. David thought for sure, I'm gonna be executed, I'm going to die, this is the end of my life. And I wanna tell you, David was scared. David was afraid. A man after God's own heart was full of fear. 
until he finally made up his mind about one thing, and this is what he said. When I'm afraid, here, are you afraid? Yes, pastor, I'm afraid. Are you full of fear? I'm full of fear. Are you really scared? Pastor, I'm scared. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. You know what David understood? The answer to fear is faith. It's the key that unlocks the door. And this is what we've all got to come to. Now, I'm going to preach to me for a minute. You're just going to get in the way. We've got to come to the point where we finally say, you know what, no matter what happens to me, it doesn't matter whether things work out the way I want them to or not. It doesn't matter if I get the virus or not. It doesn't matter if I keep my job or lose it. At the end of the day, even if it costs me everything I have, including my life, I will trust you. Because again, the only answer to fear is faith. There's a famous hotel in England. I want to go there one day. And over the mantle of the fireplace carved into the wood are these words. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. No one was there. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. No one was there. Remember, the higher the faith, the lower the fear. Now, I know right now you're probably asking this question, which I would be asking. You say, okay, but how do you activate your faith when you're absolutely scared out of your mind? How, how, do, you, how do you decrease the fear factor? How do you increase the faith factor? How do you make the fear index go down and the faith index go up? Well, that's when you take the last step. Step one, what? You admit your fear. Step two, activate your faith. All right. But what flips the switch? You ready? Watch this. Acknowledge the Father. Acknowledge the Father. See, the most important words in this verse are the first two. You remember those words? For God. Thank God for those two words. For God. See, here's what Paul was saying. When you bring God into the picture, let's say you've got a picture. And let's say it's a group picture. Let's say it's a family picture, okay? And let's say fear just photobombs your picture. Well, when you bring God into the picture, you know what fear has to do? Fear's got to get out of the picture because God and fear won't be in the same picture at the same time. And so Paul says, hey, let's bring God into the picture. The great preacher you may have heard of, his name was Charles Spurgeon. If you didn't, that's okay. Maybe the greatest preacher who's ever lived outside the Apostle Paul. Charles Spurgeon put it best when he said it this way. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord, you don't need to fear the past. It's been forgiven. You don't need to fear the present. God will provide. You don't need to fear the future because your eternal destiny is secure. So here's what I want to do. I want to bring this full circle. How do you decrease your fear? You increase your faith. Well, how do you increase your faith? You change your focus. When you focus on your fear, faith goes down, fear goes up. But when you focus on the Father, fear goes down and faith goes up. Many of you, listen to me right now, remember a date, 9-11. You say, oh yeah, do I ever remember it? In fact, many of you, if you're like me, you know exactly where you were the moment, I can still remember it, the moment where you were when 9-11 became a reality. If you remember that, you remember the fear and the chaos surrounding the collapse 
of those twin towers. You can still see in your mind people running from towers in pursuit of safety, safety with a horror uh, uh, on their face. Let me just show you this picture. This is one of the most famous pictures. Look at the fear. Look, look how afraid these people are. Look at the panic in their eyes. All because these strong, sturdy towers were crushing down in this thunderous roar. And all they could feel, all could, they could experience, all they could know was fear because of these towers whose falling could be heard miles and miles away. Now, just burn that picture into your mind. Look at this man right here. That's so many people right now in this country. That's such a picture of where we are right now. Here's the virus. And there we're running for our lives. Well, with that picture in mind, let me give you another picture. It's in the book of Proverbs. Here's what it says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. In other words, the name of the Lord is a tower that will never fail. No terrorist bomb can take it out. No virus can destroy it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. So listen to me. God is an unfailing tower of power, a tower of love, a tower of a sound mind. He can handle anything that comes your way. So what's my word to you as your pastor? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. We serve a God who holds the whole world in his hands. That includes you, and that includes me. I've known this God for a long time. I know him better today than I've ever known him, and yet there's so much about him I still don't know. But I'll tell you one thing I know. I don't hope, don't feel, don't think. I know the God that I know and the God that I trust and the God that's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. This God has not. This God cannot. This God will not fail us. Let's pray together. Would you just bow your heads there in, in, in the quietness of your home? And this has been my prayer, believe it or not. I've really prayed that somebody listening today would come to Jesus. Can, can I just say this? And I'm not trying to make light of anything. Listen, I got, a, I got a Twitter reply the other day from a lady that uh, I had said something about we need to trust God. And she kind of sent back this little snarly thing that said, well, why don't you pray to the, she called it the little G God. Why don't you pray to the little God to bring healing to this virus? I couldn't help myself. I sent back a reply and I said, with all respect, if you don't know, and I said God with a big G, if you don't know God, the virus is the least of your problems. Let me just say this to you. Whether it's a virus or a heart attack or a drive-by shooting or a stroke or a plane crash, we're going to die one day. No matter how we die, we're going to die. And I want to tell you at that moment, if you do not know Jesus Christ, the greatest fear of all you will realize because there is no greater fear and to wake up one second after you die and realize you're going to spend eternity without God. But this God who is sovereign loves you. He cares about you. He loves you so much. Knowing we had a problem we couldn't take care of called sin, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, 
so he could die on a cross and God could take all of our sins and put all of them on Jesus. And then to prove that Jesus, that Jesus paid for our sins, God raised him from the dead. So I want you to imagine right now, if you don't mind, you're not looking at me on a computer screen or a TV or an iPad or an iPhone. I want you to imagine I'm sitting in your living room. We're just having a conversation. I'm asking you this question. Let's say you get the virus and let's say you don't make it and let's say you die. Simple question. Do you know for sure that you'll spend eternity with God? That's the question. If the answer is no, second question, would you like to? You say, is it possible? Absolutely. The, the Word of God says it is. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Would you like to be saved today? You say, man, could I do it right now? Right there wherever you're sitting. Would you just pray this prayer right now? Just, just say it out loud. I, I'm here. Just say it out loud. Or if you were someone, we'll say it silently. You can. But just say something like this. Pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm so glad that I tuned in today. I realize now the only thing I really ever have to fear is the fear of dying without you. But today I'm taking care of that fear. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. You are that Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. So Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I repent of my sins and I turn away from my sins and I trust you as my Lord and my Savior today. Now, if you close your eyes, open them back up and just let me talk to you one-on-one -on -one just a minute. If you prayed that prayer anywhere out there, wherever you're listening right now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to do just one simple thing. I want you to go to this website. I want you to go to www.crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision, all right? So www.crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision. I simply want you to go and just let us know that you prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just let us know about your decision, okay? If you don't mind, you could give us an email address or a cell phone number or something where we could contact you later on. That would be great. You may say, well, I don't need to trust Jesus Christ. Is there another decision you need to make? You say, what, for example? The Bible says after you get saved, you should be biblically baptized by immersion. Have you ever done that? Well, no, I've not done that. Well, if you gave your life to Christ, go ahead and say, yeah, I want to be baptized. We're baptizing Easter. God willing, we're going to be back. We're going to be baptizing Easter. But you may say, yeah, you know, I've trusted Jesus. Now I need to be baptized. Or, you know, I, I, I've already trusted Christ, but I've not been baptized. Hey, go to that website. Go to that link right there and say, I, I want you to know I am committing to be biblically baptized. Now, though we cannot come to church right now, here's the good news. We can be the church sent. That's one of our core values. We want to send people out. Don't waste this crisis. Don't waste this, waste this time in your life. God can use this crisis to send us to our neighbors, to our ones, and to touch them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to be sending a regular, uh, you know, emails and social media posts. We're going to be letting you know what we're doing and how we're going to proceed from here. You can find the latest news at our website. Just go to this link right here, www.crosspointchurch.com forward slash update. You can just do that, and we'll let you know what's going on. And we're going to be praying that as soon as we can, we'll all be back 
together. Now, here's what I want you to do, if you don't mind. We've got one last song we're going to sing, a beautiful song that really is going to close out the day it needs to be, the way it needs to be closed out. That I've got one final important word I want to share with you before we close. But again, thank you for watching. Thank all of you who prayed for us today, that prayed for the service. And now let's sing together, let's worship together, and I'll be back with a closing word.